The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. Buzz Burbank, news and comment. February 23rd, 2017. Thank you very much for listening and for shopping through my Amazon links at buzzburbank.com. Now, I know I just said thank you for listening, but let me repeat that. Because going into this week, this program crossed a very nice threshold, 4 million downloads. So thank you again. In return, I'll continue to post the best weekly journal I can. This week, Trump still dominates the news, but there's also news of the resistance and more. First, here's why the resistance. Never mind what our spy agencies have found, the Republican chairman of the House Oversight and Judiciary Committees have asked the new Republican attorney general who at the spy agencies leaked that Russia had meddled in our election to help Trump get elected. Not further investigation into what Russia did or the effect it may have had, but instead an investigation into who spilled the beans about it. And the Republican attorney general being asked to investigate the leaks, Jeff Sessions, worked on the Trump campaign while it was in touch with Russia. During the campaign, Russia worked to influence and Sessions has so far refused to recuse himself from the case. Oversight Chair Jason Chaffetz and Judiciary Chair Bob Goodlot said this week, we need the leak investigation because, quoting their request, the release of classified national security information can have grave effects on national security. True, but in this case, is it as grave as a foreign power influencing an American election? Chaffetz and Goodlot agree with Trump, who tweeted that the leaks are, quote, the real scandal. And Trump called news reports about that leaked information fake news. So at just over a month in, Trump is already at war with America's intelligence community, the best on the planet, and America's professional journalists, also arguably among the best. Trump's campaign against reporters is pushing disturbing limits and raises questions about his intentions for a free press. His contempt has been made clear, leading campaign rallies he's still holding in jeers against the media, calling their reports fake news, stalking the White House press room with pro-Trump bloggers, including the photographer for a group called Gaze for Trump, scolding reporters and tweeting that the media is the enemy of the people. They know that phrase, enemy of the people, especially well in Russia, where it's been used before by Joseph Stalin, just before he ordered the deaths of tens of millions of people. They know the phrase well in China, where Chairman Mao used it just before he killed tens of millions there who were enemies of the people. It's a phrase world leaders generally try to avoid using. As John McCain pointed out, it's a phrase often spoken by dictators. And although no one's expecting executions here, Trump's words and actions raise the questions of what he will do when he's heard more than enough from the media. Which brings us to his actions and his implied actions. Trump's son-in-law, who's also one of his top advisors, summoned the head of Time Warner to the White House to dress him down about CNN's coverage. Jared Kushner even gave the Time Warner executive the names of specific anchors the White House doesn't like. It's no accident that Time Warner's waiting for government approval of its merger with AT&T, something Trump said during the campaign he would never allow again because of CNN's coverage of him. And it's no accident that the lawyer who just put the news outlet Gawker out of business is also the lawyer representing Melania Trump in her lawsuit against the Daily Mail newspaper. That paper has retracted and apologized for the story alleging the First Lady had worked as a high-class hooker. 
Despite that, the Daily Mail may soon join Gawker in the graveyard of news outlets because this lawyer has found a way to win these kinds of cases. If attorney Charles Carter wins Melania's case, Trump may keep him around. Trump delivered some fake news of his own this past week. At one point, he made a bizarre reference to what happened last night in Sweden on the subject of terrorism. The fact was, nothing happened in Sweden. What had happened last night was Trump watched a Fox News report about the immigrant concerns in Sweden. Sweden itself responded asking exactly what was he talking about. Trump's fake news also included untrue statements he made at his news conference. Among the falsehoods, told knowingly or unknowingly, the comparative size of his electoral college win, a subject he will not drop. Trump also declared his administration was, quote, running like a fine-tuned machine, despite having his first major policy struck down in court, having to fire his national security advisor, having to withdraw his nomination of Carl's Hardy's CEO, Andy Puzder, and getting a firm no from his second and third choices for national security advisor, one of them citing this administration's dysfunctionality. Robert Harward turned down the job, reportedly calling the gig an S-sandwich. And for the record, Trump also said in that news conference, quote, I have nothing to do with Russia. Haven't made a phone call to Russia in years. Don't speak to people from Russia. Not that I wouldn't. And Trump says he did not tell Mike Flynn to talk with the Russians before the election. But Trump still hasn't explained why, after learning that Flynn had done exactly that, why he kept it from the vice president and the American people. After being turned down by generals and others, the Trump administration appears to have landed a national security advisor now, someone who gets praise from all quarters. The new guy is U.S. Army Lieutenant General Herbert Raymond McMaster. He's an Army strategist who's proven he will speak truth to power, as he did when he thought his superiors were mishandling the Vietnam War. He was very critical of George W. Bush's decision to aim our guns at Iraq in 2003. In other words, McMaster's has been critical of both parties' policies. He's not about the politics, as was his predecessor, Mike Flynn. It was Flynn, you'll recall, who led a crowd in chanting, lock her up, in a successful demonization of Hillary Clinton. Now it will be H.R. McMaster, still a general, but in a civilian suit, advising Trump daily on the world situation. No longer will it be Flynn who filtered the intelligence reports beforehand. Now about that intelligence... Even without a filter, many of our intelligence agencies are not telling the White House everything they know because they don't trust this administration any more than he trusts them. Trump has isolated himself from the intelligence community when it comes to his briefings. He's essentially called them incompetent, using Iraq as an example. But he's also called intelligence workers Nazis. So now these career intelligence experts are risking their careers and possible prosecution by leaking some of what they know to the public because they see a president withholding it from the American people. And for that matter, withholding it from the vice president and the rest of us for two weeks, specifically, that Mike Flynn had talked with a Russian official during the campaign Russia worked to influence. We also now know that Flynn had also lied to the FBI, but he apparently won't be prosecuted for that felony. The new FBI, under Attorney General Jeff Sessions, says Flynn did not intentionally mislead its agents. And now some of those career spies and intelligence workers are not showing Trump how or where or from whom they get their information because they don't trust him or his administration with that knowledge. 
They're still telling him what they know, what he needs to know, but they're not telling him how they know it. And those intelligence workers are still there. They're not at the top, but they're still there for now, although many have also resigned. Several have decided it best to push back from outside the government. The new White House budget director wants to change Medicare and raise the retirement age. These are policies Trump argued against during the campaign, promising to leave retirement age and Medicare benefits alone. But despite that, Trump has nominated budget conservative Mick Mulvaney to be the new head of the OMB, the Office of Management and Budget, who says he wants to raise the retirement age and change Medicare. Mulvaney was confirmed last week despite opposition from every Democrat in the Senate and Republican John McCain. With Andy Puzder out of the picture for Labor Secretary, Trump has now nominated a Harvard grad who worked in the Justice Department under George W. Bush. Alex Acosta is, as Labor Secretary, the first Hispanic to be chosen for the president's cabinet or anywhere else high up in the new administration. He's expected to easily be confirmed. Trump's first attempt at an immigration crackdown crashed and burned in court. And despite his threat of see you in court, the Trump administration has decided to let that first big executive order die. It's been 20 days since the policy officially died in court, and it'll be several more days before it'll be replaced. Next week, the administration says it's rolling out a new policy aimed at avoiding legal trouble where possible, correcting mistakes made in that first attempt at keeping out people from seven mostly Muslim countries. Exceptions are being made this time for people with green cards, people who were already on their way when the order was issued, and others. The new policy was to have been announced this week, but apparently there are still bugs to work out in an attempt to avoid the chaos of the first effort. But the Trump policy has driven fear into our Muslim American communities, with some now crossing the border into Canada for asylum. In the meantime, the administration is focusing on large numbers of Latino immigrants, breaking up families and in many cases to send even people accused of minor crimes back to their home countries, even those accused but not convicted, even those who've been here most of their lives. All this despite Trump's promise of a compassionate deportation policy. In truth, all undocumented immigrants now face deportation once they're discovered. In fact, many are now afraid to even report crimes out of fear they too will be hauled away. The administration's also ordered the hiring of 5,000 more Border Patrol agents and another 500 Air and Marine officers and agents, and it's ordered the building of that border wall. Hundreds have been arrested in immigration raids across the country. And although the White House says this is not a mass deportation, it is the most sweeping deportation effort in modern times, including extremely large groups of people. U.S. policy has been to detain those arrested, then fly them back to their countries of origin once they're officially deported. In some cases, they're being flown to Mexico, even if that's not their home country. What still hasn't been discussed by the administration or Congress is the cost of all this to American taxpayers for arresting, detaining, processing, and a lot more money on airline tickets for the deported. We're also now hearing that wall could cost several times the $14 billion estimate, money that so far doesn't appear to be coming from Mexico as promised. Add to that cost the thousands of arrests and hearings, the cost of detaining 400,000 people, and the cases the administration will have to fight in court. It will also be difficult for parts of the policy to get past some still-standing federal laws and court rulings.
For now, though, the administration's looking at once again turning to privately owned prisons to house all the detainees at a time the government was phasing out private prisons. Wherever we put them, it will be at taxpayers' expense. There's also been talk of camps for those arrested. Camps. The Trump administration's also going after transgender rights, dropping the policy of requiring publicly funded schools to open to students the restrooms for the gender with which they identify. The Trump administration argues that the Obama rule was confusing and that this is a state's rights issue. The same argument used to defend racial segregation in schools 50 years ago. Interestingly, controversial Education Secretary Betsy DeVos reportedly stood up to Trump on this, or tried to, reminding him they both ran on a promise to protect all students. In the end, we're told it was the president's decision to drop the transgender protection. Today, the White House is denying that report about DeVos. They say she was 100% behind the change. These days, the enforcement of discrimination laws is up to our new Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, who has a less-than-stellar record on human rights. But Betsy DeVos says the Civil Rights Division of her Education Department will continue to prosecute cases of bullying and discrimination against LGBT students. Keep an eye on this. It could get even more interesting. As for expensive, deportation is not our only concern. As this program was produced, we were not certain where Trump would spend this coming weekend. But people have started to notice the cost of Trump's weekends at his luxury golf resort in Florida. He's had three in a row so far at a cost to taxpayers around $10 million. People are starting to do the math on what that would cost if this were to go on for four years. Here are a couple of hints. It's eight times as much as we spent on security for the Obamas, and it's in the hundreds of millions of dollars. We are now paying to maintain two White Houses, and not just occasionally. And it's not just Trump and his entourage. It's also the entourage that guards Trump's wife and young son back in New York, where taxpayers are coughing up a half million dollars a day for security, hoping they'll be reimbursed by the federal government. It's the entourage that guarded Trump's sons Eric and Don Jr. last weekend while they were in Dubai to open another Trump golf club. A man supposedly elected for his business acumen must surely be somewhat aware of how much money he's spending and how much more he's on track to spend. For every Trump action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And that story is every bit as big as the Trump story. That story and more after this. Isn't this what you want? A smooth, clean shave from a blade that glides like butter and comes right to your door at half the cost of the big name brands? That's what I love about shaving with products from Harry's, from the hefty, balanced handle that fits your hand to the precision-engineered five-blade cartridges that come with a lubricating strip, a trimmer blade, and a travel cover, to Harry's rich, lathering shave gel. It all started when Harry's founders Jeff and Andy got tired of getting ripped off on blade prices. One big company in particular jacked their prices again and again and made a fortune while we all spent a fortune. Jeff and Andy quickly discovered the problem. The middlemen... So they bought their own factory, one that's been making blades for over a 100 years so they can ship top-quality blades directly to you. The result? Quality products at your door for half of what you've been paying. And that's the Harry's story. Become part of it. Go to harrys.com right now and try their new shave set free of charge. You just pay the shipping. 
Sign up at harrys.com slash R-E-L-M. And because you're a loyal listener to this newscast, Harry's will even throw in a free post-shave balm. But only if you log on now to harrys.com slash R-E-L-M. The subject of impeaching Donald Trump has come up again. Minnesota Congressman Keith Ellison, a leading candidate in the race to be the next chairman of the Democratic Party, says, quote, Trump has done a number of things which legitimately raise the question of impeachment. If Ellison is chosen this weekend to lead the Democrats, that may be the catalyst that solidly ties his party to the growing resistance movement in this country. More about that in a moment. But first, where do the people of this country stand on Trump? It depends on which poll you see, even when you focus on just the dozen or so that use unbiased scientific methods. In the polls of registered voters and likely voters, Trump is still more popular than unpopular. But even in his best poll, his disapproval rating there is 45%, the worst in history. In a poll of adults overall, voters are not, Trump is exceptionally unpopular with a disapproval rating up to 56% and approval as low as 39%, also an historic low. At only a month in, he remains the single most unpopular president in American history. Overall, American voters are almost evenly divided on approve or disapprove. 80% of Republicans approve, 80% of Democrats disapprove. So the more telling numbers are in other poll questions. Do you think he's honest? 56% said no. Do you think he has more conflicts of interest than other politicians? A majority, 54%, said yes. 60% say he would veto a law that would be good for the country but hurt his business empire. While Trump supporters are saying give him a chance, he and the Republicans in Congress have already done a lot putting a stop to lower mortgage rates, removing consumer credit protections, removing rules to prevent another Wall Street crisis, and removing rules to protect our water from the waste of the coal mining industry. The Republican House and Senate passed a resolution one week ago today that tells coal companies they no longer have to monitor the water quality near their mines. They no longer have to clean up those waterways when they become contaminated with coal mining waste. It's a gesture to a dying industry, as the country has been moving away from fossil fuels for the sake of our health and our planet, had been up until now at least, Trump called these coal mining rules wasteful regulations, even though they protected 6,000 miles of streams and 52,000 acres of forest land. Which brings us to our new head of the EPA, who strongly opposes the EPA Former Oklahoma Attorney General Scott Pruitt, grateful to the oil and gas industry for the money it's given his campaigns, has been confirmed as the head of the Environmental Protection Agency. He was confirmed even after he illegally withheld his official state emails to and from the oil and gas industry. And Pruitt was confirmed even after a court ordered them released just before the vote. Democrats who unanimously voted against Pruitt tried to get the vote delayed until all the emails were out and could be evaluated. We already had the gist of them since Pruitt allowed his office to be used by the oil and gas industry to file lawsuits against the previous EPA, but Pruitt was confirmed without delay. Since that confirmation, we've got a look at those emails. They show exactly what we expected, Pruitt's close ties with the oil industry and the Koch brothers. Pruitt is now one of several foxes embedded in the environmental and climate change henhouse.
By the way, a new study shows there have been nearly 7,000 fracking spills in the last 20 years in just four states. Some of the spills were minor, under 100 gallons, but each one threatens the groundwater or aquifer. Surprisingly, Oklahoma isn't one of those states. The spills occurred in Colorado, New Mexico, Pennsylvania, and North Dakota. And in North Dakota, federal agents moved into protest camps yesterday along the site of the greenlit Dakota Access Pipeline that would carry oil underneath the Missouri River, providing drinking and irrigation water for thousands of people. Ten people were arrested in the clearout. At last report, a few protesters remain, but they too have been targeted. Some of the departing protesters vowed that their fight is not over, and they set fires to their teepees and tents as they left the protest site. Our environment is what's on Bob Seska's mind this week. Part of the Realm Network, co-host of the Bob and Chez Show and a respected blogger for Salon.com, here's Bob Seska. Thank you, Buzz. Back in December, President Barack Obama authorized a new rule for the Office of Surface Mining known as the Stream Protection Rule. Simply put, the rule banned the dumping of mountaintop removal mining waste into nearby waterways by creating a 100-foot buffer around streams and the like, ultimately protecting an estimated 6,000 miles of rivers. Many of those rivers provide drinking water for neighboring communities. For now. One of Trump's first legislative acts as president was to kill that rule. After the Senate voted 55 to 45 to overturn the rule, the bill was sent to Trump for his signature, and while we were all scrambling to make sense of his latest press conference, the president signed the bill into law. Apparently, clean tap water and formerly scenic vistas aren't priorities for red state coal country voters who would rather add cancer clusters and horrendous birth defects to the list of woes that go along with their disappearing coal jobs. What good are a few hundred more jobs if the workers filling those jobs, as well as their families, are dropping dead from poisoned drinking water and contaminated air? A 2011 study in the Environmental Research Journal discovered an increased risk for, quote, six out of seven types of birth defects, circulatory, respiratory, central nervous system, musculoskeletal, gastrointestinal, and urogenital defects near mountaintop removal mines. The rate was nearly twice as high as that found in areas without mountaintop removal mines. It's not clear whether Trump voters in deeply red states like West Virginia and Kentucky are aware of the fact that coal mining and Trump's terrible bill will surely add copious amounts of selenium, mercury, and arsenic to the water supplies in those states, in addition to the variety of toxins present in coal slurry, ash, and other waste materials. I mean, they should be aware, simply based on past experience. Surely they couldn't have forgotten the 2014 disaster at Dry Branch, where 300,000 West Virginians were forced to go without clean tap water when chemicals used in coal extraction were dumped into the water supply. Sadly, this is just the beginning. Let's be clear. I get the fact that Trump voters love their guy partly because he pisses off liberals. But this is what they're willing to endure for the privilege of trolling Michael Moore and Nancy Pelosi? Really? Allowing coal mining outfits to dump waste into coal country streams will only damage coal country and the people who live there. We all have a right to clean water and clean air, and we all have the right to protest against the polluting of what's known as the commons, natural and scenic resources that belong to everyone, not just corporate polluters. But it's mostly Trump voters who will have to deal with the inevitable mining disasters, increased air and water contamination, and subsequent health risks and birth defects that go along with it. Meryl Streep won't have to deal with nervous system or urogenital birth defects in her neighborhood due to coal mining pollution. Neither will Michael Moore, Barack Obama, Alec Baldwin, or Buzz Burbank. 
Yet coal country loves Trump anyway, even as he helps the coal country slowly choke out his voters. Trump voters are willing to risk their own lives for the sake of propping up this cartoon dictator and his crony capitalist buddies. Remarkably, it appears as if they'll stick with their guy until the bitter end. If they can't see the impending series of disasters lurking just around the corner, they'll learn a painful lesson only after it's too late. I'm Bob Seska for Buzz Burbank News and Comment. Thanks, Bob. Catch him and his podcast partner, Chez Pazienza, twice each week on The Bob and Chez Show here at RealmNetwork.com. A new one drops today. Unhappy about what they see happening to their environment, their health care, their immigrant neighbors, and more, people are descending on their senators and representatives who are in the middle of a two-week visit to their home districts. Lawmakers normally have these visits, including town hall meetings, at which virtually no one shows up, usually. But that was before Trump and a Republican-run Senate. Now, across the country, overflow crowds are turning out at those meetings when the people in those crowds aren't writing or calling their lawmakers, assuming they can get through the overwhelmed phone lines. In the numerous cases in which elected representatives are refusing to meet with these crowds, citizens stand outside their district offices with signs and wait to be heard. And these protests, big protests, continue across the country, the latest being the Not My President's Day marches on Monday in towns big and small, blue and red, even in counties that went solidly for Trump on Election Day. Big turnouts in little towns, including Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, and the crowds are not fading with time, as is often the case. In New York City, some 50,000 people turned out, one protester saying the country has sold out to corporate interests. There were protests at Trump Tower in Chicago. They gathered outside City Hall in L.A. and chanted resist. In D.C., the crowd sang, This land is your land, about a mile away from the White House. In other cities, they gathered at airports to protest Trump's immigration policies. The next big march is in April, April 15th. The tax march, as it's called, is to demand the release of Trump's tax return, something he and his people claim Americans have no interest in seeing. Trump is trying to ignore the protest and encourages others to do the same, tweeting, These so-called angry crowds are actually, in numerous cases, planned out by liberal activists, adding his trademark tagline, SAD. And again, we're hearing the lie that professional organizers are paying the protesters to appear in perhaps the same way Trump's paid actors and others to appear at his rallies. But the sheer size and scope and endurance of the resistance cannot be ignored, not any longer. It's in the courts, it's in the streets, even among lifelong professionals in government who've proudly served presidents from both parties. There are now 7,000 indivisible groups across the country, resistance groups with a plan. The resistance is now every bit as big a story as Trump himself, and it's on track to become even bigger. There have, by the way, also been anti-Trump protests in Mexico this week in 17 Mexican cities, 20,000 turned out in Mexico City. 80% of Mexicans surveyed said they believe their country's relationship with the U.S. will get worse, not better, with Trump in office. Also newsworthy is what the administration has not accomplished while it's been focused on the oil and financial industries and focused on pushing out of the countries those it sees as undesirable. Of the 549 important jobs a president has to fill, The new president has nominated 34, 34 out of 549, 34 down, 515 to go. 
Of the 34 nominated, only 14 have been confirmed so far, thanks to slow and sometimes nearly non-existent vetting and to the administration's missteps along the way. It's not unusual for a new president to have to wait a while for his entire cabinet to be seated. What is unusual is the lack of people Trump has to fill those jobs, crucial jobs that remain vacant. Those vacancies include the top spot at the TSA. Peter Neffinger resigned as TSA administrator shortly after Trump was elected. He has not only not been replaced, no replacement has been decided. That's unfortunate considering what happened this week at New York's JFK airport. Eleven people walked through an unmanned metal detector unchecked. Three of the eight set off the metal detector, but they boarded their planes anyway. The TSA didn't notify police until two hours later. The three people who rang the metal detector bell back in New York were searched on arrival at their destinations in California instead of before departure. At last check, officials were still searching for some of the others. The TSA says there was never any real danger while it waits for a new administrator or even a nominee. There's been a fourth wave of hatred against Jews since the first of this young year. Just this week, hoax bomb threats that again evacuated nearly a dozen Jewish community centers across the country. There have been 69 apparent hate crimes in 27 states since the month Trump took office, and Jewish groups were calling on Trump, who failed to mention them on International Holocaust Day, to condemn the violence. Trump avoided that for days, even shutting down a reporter from a Jewish publication at last week's big news conference. Misunderstanding the question, Trump called the reporter's question insulting and told him to sit down. The question was whether he intended to condemn the recent wave of anti-Semitic acts. Trump hadn't addressed that, with one Jewish-American leader saying his silence is poison. We can only guess, but Trump apparently thought the question was about him answering, I am the least anti-Semitic person you've ever seen in your entire life. Then came the latest wave of hate, threats to 11 Jewish centers, and then the overturning of headstones at a Jewish cemetery in Missouri. No arrests. It was finally then that the White House said, quote, the president has made it abundantly clear these actions are unacceptable, even though he hadn't. Later, at the new Smithsonian Museum of African American History, Trump said, the anti-Semitic threats targeting our Jewish community are horrible, and painful, and a very sad reminder of the work that must still be done to root out hate and prejudice and evil. But he still didn't demand that the threats and vandalism stop. When asked if he would denounce anti-Semitism once and for all, later Trump replied, Oh, of course I do, and I do it whenever I get a chance. Americans, meanwhile, are stepping in where their leaders will not. Just as Jews opened their synagogue to the Texas Muslims whose mosque was burned to the ground, now Muslims have raised over $100,000 to repair the Jewish cemetery that was desecrated this week. A constitutional right to religious beliefs does not outweigh the rights of others, based on the notion that all men are created equal. In short, religion does not justify discrimination against a class of people in the same way, it's illegal to discriminate based on race, gender, or even religion. That capsulizes the decision of the Washington State Supreme Court in the case of a Christian florist who refused to service a gay couple's wedding. But challenger Baronel Stutzman's lawyers say she'll take this all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. 
The courts are also pushing back against the Republican agenda in red states like Texas. There, a federal judge has blocked Texas from denying Medicaid funding to Planned Parenthood. In the anti-abortion movement, it was a way of hurting a health organization that benefits millions of needy women because that organization also sometimes performs abortions. Planned Parenthood is already banned from using public funds for abortions, and it obeys that edict, even though abortion is only a small fraction of the work it does. So for the anti-abortion movement, it was really just a symbolic victory at best, and now that victory has been overturned at least until it can go to a higher court. Some news, of course, is bigger than all of this, bigger than all of us. Astronomers yesterday announced they'd found at least seven Earth-sized planets in a solar system 40 light-years away. When it comes to planets on which you could live, size matters. It increases the chances for air and water, and the climates appear to be temperate, albeit a bit cooler than Earth. This is now one of the great discoveries of science and the closest we've come to finding life outside our own solar system. Because unlike in our solar system, these seven planets circling a star are all the same size and all very close. And astronomers say even if we never go to this particular solar system, the discovery has taught them what to look for as they continue to scan the skies. The unfortunate topic of pooping in space, Omar's movie preview, and other fun stuff in the third and final segment up next. Don't stop me even if you have heard this before. A couple of college students wanted the kind of stylish watches they saw others wearing, but like a lot of college kids, they were broke. You see, nothing that stylish with any kind of quality was affordable. So a little research taught them that quality and fashion don't have to be expensive if you cut out the middleman by selling direct to you online. So little by little, they started their own watch company, in much the same way we started this network. Even the name of their company's high fashion, MVMT, for movement. People will ask you about your movement watch. They will, with its classic design, minimalist style, and quality construction. These are watches that would sell in a department store for four or five hundred bucks, but movement makes them yours starting at just ninety-five bucks with free shipping and free returns. That's why movement is the world's fastest growing watch company with over a million sold in over 160 countries around the world. And because you listen to this program, you get another 15% off that already amazing price. Just go to MVMTWatches.com slash R-E-L-M. Be like us. Join the movement. MVMTWatches.com slash R-E-L-M. If you're a commuter, you are losing about 1400 bucks a year in wasted time and fuel. If you live in L.A., you're wasting $2,400 a year sitting in traffic. The yearly ranking of worst traffic cities held no surprises, but it did tell us that together we're wasting $300 billion a year in traffic. The study says we now on average spend 42 hours a year stuck in rush hour traffic, 104 hours a year in Los Angeles. UPS this week tested delivery by drone from the top of one of its trucks to a blueberry farm near Tampa a half hour later. The drone is UPS Brown, of course. UPS says it has no intention of replacing its drivers, but it may be trying to hang on to its sweet Amazon business. Although that may come too late, Amazon has its own ideas about delivering packages by drone, and although it supposedly works, it sounds like a creation of Wile E. Coyote 
with its use of a parachute, springs, and electromagnets. The magnets reportedly adjust the trajectory of the parachuted package so that it lands in just the right spot. It's an idea so wacky it just might work. The U.S. Patent and Trademark Office has granted Amazon the patent on this based on drawings you'd swear you've seen in an old Roadrunner cartoon. Maybe they know what they're doing. A new Harris poll puts Amazon as the most respected company in the U.S. for a second straight year. People are asked about each company's social responsibility, vision and leadership, financial performance, their work environments, the quality of their products or services, and just a gut reaction. Two grocery chains were in second and third places, Wegmans and Publix. Johnson & Johnson was fourth, with Apple, Disney, and Google tied for fifth, among the most respected companies. Samsung fell from 7th place to 49th after its flaming Galaxy Note 7 scandal. But there is hope for Samsung. Volkswagen lost 20 points last year and has already regained nearly half of that back. Chipotle and Bank of America continue to quickly tumble down the chart, however, along with Procter & Gamble. The lights were on and the music was still playing, so Florida resident Christian Hathaway finished her shopping and headed for the checkout. But there was no one there. She called for someone, anyone, and no one answered. No one came. That's when she realized she was the only person in that CVS store, which had closed, as that location usually does, at 9 p.m. She raced to the front door, just in time to watch the steel security door roll down. She screamed, Hello? When she started banging on that steel security door, the alarm went off, and that's when she called 911. St. Cloud, Florida police couldn't offer any direct help once they'd arrived. They couldn't get past the steel door. So they called the manager, who showed up about 40 minutes later with a key and an apology. CBS says it's working with the store to make sure this never happens again. Those old TVs we used to watch, the squarish boxes with picture tubes, those, those aren't worth anything, are they? Or are they? In Ontario, a worker at a recycling plant was dismantling an old wooden box TV when he found something recyclable he wasn't expecting, what appeared to be $10,000 in cash. He was wrong. It was $100,000, mostly in U.S. currency. For better or worse, there were also valuable papers inside that TV, which helped police track down the rightful owner, a 68-year-old man who lives nearby. What kind of man keeps that much money in a TV? The TV's original owner says he inherited the cash from his parents, put it in the TV for safekeeping, forgot about it, and then gave the TV to a friend who eventually ditched it. If your folks ever leave you a hundred grand, don't put it in the TV. Reality is sometimes unpleasant, and that includes the business of trying to figure out the best way to poop in space especially inside a spacesuit. Human waste doesn't behave the same in zero gravity, and after all these years, our methods of dealing with it are still less than perfect. There are diapers involved. And the farther we venture from Earth and its moon, there'll be even less gravity and even more time in those suits. With its sights set on Mars, NASA crowdsourced a $30,000 prize for the person or persons who could come up with a good answer. That money will now be divided among two doctors, an engineer, a product designer, and, of all people, a dentist. 
They had the best ideas for disposal, with an eye on keeping the waste away from the astronaut's skin and especially their hands. One method has the astronaut passing the waste through a small airlock in the spacesuit so that it can be passed out of the spacesuit. Another disinfects the waste and distributes it through a hollow layer of the spacesuit throughout. As for keeping the hands and skin clean, one doctor who picked up tips from arthroscopic surgery put it this way. They can do some amazing things in very small openings. Science marches on. A University of Georgia study shows endurance athletes, including runners, can improve their performance by gargling with mouthwash before a long run. Researchers say the improvement was dramatic, a 5% improvement, mostly thanks to the sugar in the mouthwash. They say gargling sugar water works just as well. Amazing. It is a busy week for Hollywood and for moviegoers. Here's this week's movie preview from Realm Network Arts and Entertainment Editor Omar Latiri, brought to you by Fandango. Opening this weekend, February 24th, 2017. In limited release, we have three movies. First, there's Punching Henry, an indie comedy follow-up to 2009's Punching the Clown. Songwriter Henry Phillips is lured to L.A. when a veteran TV producer decides to make a show about the life of a loser. Punching Henry also stars Tig Notaro and J.K. Simmons and is not rated. Also, there's As You Are, a mystery drama as three teenagers recollect their friendship during the course of a police investigation. As You Are is also not rated. Our third limited release is Bitter Harvest, a romantic drama set in Ukraine of the 1930s as a young artist tries to save his lover from Stalin's death by starvation program. Rated R. We also have three wide release movies. For the kids, there's Rock Dog, the first Chinese animated movie produced by an American studio. Based on the Chinese graphic novel Tibetan Rock Dog, this movie tells the story of a dog whose discovery of a radio that fell from the sky leads him to fulfill his dream of becoming a musician. Featuring the voice talents of Luke Wilson, Eddie Izzard, J.K. Simmons, and Louis Black, Rock Dog is rated PG. There's Collide, an action thriller starring Nicholas Holt and Felicity Jones about an American backpacker who gets involved with a ring of drug smugglers as their driver, and he winds up on the run from his employers across the high-speed Autobahn, rated PG-13. And finally, my pick for this week, Get Out. Best known for his work as a comedian, Jordan Peele wrote and directed this horror movie about a black man's visit to his white girlfriend's family estate where things aren't as they appear to be. This movie is expected to deliver racial commentary in addition to some chills. Get Out is rated R. My fourth annual Art Academy Awards show is available. Listen as I give my picks for the winners of this weekend's 89th Academy Awards, my favorite movies from 2016, and my least favorite Oscar winners for Best Picture. For Buzz Burbank News and Comment, I'm Omar Latiri. Thank you, Omar. For theaters and showtimes, previews, tickets, and so much more, and to support this free news, Please use and bookmark the Fandango link you'll find at buzzburbank.com. And listen to Omar on his show, ARC, Arts Review and Commentary, right here at realmnetwork.com. That's where you'll find his Oscar picks as well. The Oscars will be handed out on ABC this Sunday night. And finally, from our Information You Might Need One Day department, you cannot drive in Edmonton, Canada with a ferret on your head or around your neck. Edmonton police handed out over a hundred tickets in one day this week. The ferret wearer was cited for distracted driving. 
In their day-long traffic stop, they netted nearly 2,000 speeders and nearly 500 people for running reds or not wearing seatbelts. And they nabbed a woman with 30 outstanding warrants. And, of course, the person driving with a ferret on their head. I'm Buzz Burbank. Thank you for listening. And thanks for supporting the shows and sponsors at buzzburbank.com. I'll be back next Thursday with another Buzz Burbank News and Comments. Buzz, buzz, buzz. The preceding presentation was brought to you by the Realm Network. This week on the Mark and Lowell Show. Do you have any moments where your parents would just completely bullshit you? I feel bad that I sometimes do things like that with my kids now, although I know how wrong it is. Like if one of my daughters is really not listening and, and it's just getting very, very stressful, I'll sit down and act like I'm like about to pass out. Just be like, hold on, stop. And they'll be like, What's the matter? I'll be like, this is just too much. <laughs> and, oh, God. Oh, my God. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. They're going to think you have serious health problems. <laughs> Good. <laughs> it's so fun. It's okay. You keep giving daddy crab. I, I think I'm having a heart attack. Yeah. It's fine. It's when fine. you really do. Daddy. <laughs> yeah. Really I'll, do I'll, I'll like, sit down and be like. Just... Like, yeah, Dad, we, we've been down this road before. We're oh, over it. Dad faking the heart attack again? Yeah. I don't know. He's sweating. Yeah. He looks kind of white. <laughs> He's I got beads know. of sweat. Why are his lips turning blue? Resistance is futile. It's the Mark and Lowell Show.